This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. My name's Jeff Regan. I get ten a day in expenses from a detective bureau run by a guy named Lyon. Anthony J. Lyon. They call me the Lion's Eye. With Jack Webb as Jeff Regan, investigator, stand by for hard-boiled action and mystery and thrilling adventure in tonight's story of Cain and Abel and the Santa Maria. This is the way it started. It was one of those cold, clammy mornings that the Chamber of Commerce doesn't like to have in print. I was in my place working on a four-minute egg that tasted like a boiled golf ball when the phone began bouncing. I let it ring a while, and I got to thinking that it might be an old-fashioned girl who knew how to cook. It was the lion. Hello, Regan talking. This is me. I've been working all morning. I'll buy you a time clock. Get to the point. Uh, lucky day. I just talked to Dunn and Bradstreet. How are they? I don't be funny. We got a new client, and they tell me when the Treasury Department gets in trouble, they come to him. Yeah? The guy's name is Abel Roderick. Got a special from him an hour ago. He asked for a man, and I'm sending you, Regan. You're sending me where? His ranch. He raises horses. Horses don't talk. What's bothering him? Uh, maybe it's his wife. Tell me she's got a pair of legs she'll never forget. He just said he wanted an operator out there by 12 o'clock. You never learn, do you? This means dough. What else does it mean? We'll go as far as homicide and arson when they got pockets as long as his. Money all you ever think about. Yeah, you learn something when you're as old as I am. That's all there is to think about. Well, then get yourself another boy and start teaching him. I don't learn easy. Now, just a minute. That's no attitude. Taking somebody's check before you know who's who and what's what means trouble. Jeffrey, please. You misunderstand me. I wouldn't jeopardize your bond or the good reputation of International by accepting an unreliable client. Look, last week that guy had a record longer than a roll of ticker tape. I've been with Harry Presidio all morning. He knows Abel Roderick. Yeah. He's the grandson of Gallant Roderick. Name used to be Rodriguez. One of our finest old California families. Jeffrey is a gentleman like yourself. That's nice. He needs our assistance. Well? All right, where is it? In and route between here and Santa Ana. Take Firestone. Yeah. Now, you run out there and see what Mr. Roderick wants. And uh, Jeffrey. I know, I know. Call me, Jeffrey. Well, when the lion hung up, he sounded as happy as a chorus girl with a new mink coat. Oh, he's a smart guy, I guess, but he uses check stubs for a telephone directory. Well, the home of Abel Roderick wasn't too hard to find. All I had to do was to get out on the highway and look for a hill. That's where it was. One of those old Spanish-type places with a flock of porches, windows, and lots of iron grill work. And 20 years ago, it might have rated the good home section, but... Now you couldn't tell where the grass stopped and the weeds began. It's kind of used up and sad, like a derby winner with a broken leg. A tall blonde guy, about 30, in a black polo shirt, was stretched out on a beach chair in the front porch. He pulled off his dark glasses and watched me get out of the car and come up the steps. And he gave me one of those looks, like he was already tired of knowing me. We don't want any. How do you know? We never want anything. Go away. I'm here to see Abel Roderick. You him? No. 
But he lives here, doesn't he? Yes. Who are you? My name's Regan. So? I want to see him. Go ahead. See him. Everybody as nice as you. Oh, I got a merit badge for being the nicest. What did you say your name was? Regan. What did you say you wanted to see him about? I didn't say. Mm-hmm. Well, it's too hot to play games, so I'll tell you. I don't like you, and he won't like you. Well, now, what am I supposed to do? Roll down the stairs? It might help, baby. Well, where'd you find him, Kane? Janie, this is Mr. Regan. He came to see your husband. I guess he has business with him. Hello, Mr. Regan. Sable expecting you? At 12. You're 10 minutes late. Well, I'm still trying to see him. He's in the study. Come on. I'll see you later, Regan. I thought I knew all of Abel's business acquaintances, but I don't remember you. Well, I'm a new one. What do you do? A lot of things. You're very interesting, Mr. Regan. Mm-hmm. Is he coming here often? I don't know. I hope so. Do you keep your husband in a vault? <laughs> I'd like to. <laughs> You're cute. Here we are. This is Abel's study. I guess he stepped out for a moment. Would a drink take off the, uh, cross hatches? Might. Good. I'll make you one. Okay. Where are the horses? Horses? Gave that up a long time ago. Given up a lot of things, Mr. Lee. That's not right. Thanks. That blonde boy out on the porch doesn't like me. Okay. He doesn't like anybody. Let's not worry about him, either. You're crowding me. Don't you like to be crowded? It all depends on whose wife is doing it. You're worried about Abel? I'm drinking his whiskey. I've never had any complaints. I don't see why you should. What kind of a nasty crack is that? You figure it, lady. You said nobody talks to little Janie like that. Hello, my dear. Introduce me to our visitor. Oh, Abel. This is Mr. Regan, darling. He says he has business with you. Regan? Oh, Regan. Yes, of course. How do you do, Mr. Regan? I'm Abel Roderick. How are you? I see Janie's made you comfortable with a drink, so we can get right down to business. Oh, uh, Janie, my dear, why don't you ask Kane if he'd like to play some tennis? You're not very subtle, darling, but I was just leaving. That's a good girl. I hope to see you again. Don't let her worry, Regan. It's an act. Do I look worried? <laughs> She's lovely, and if you're young and tall and Janie's around, she adopts you. I wasn't an orphan. She'll be sulky all day now. <laughs> well, thanks for coming out. I hope you can help me. Well, so far, I don't even know who's on the team. A man in my alleged position is quite often the object of subterfuge. You can understand that. Well, you mean because you got money, yeah. To be quite frank, I have no money, Mr. Regan. Mm, that's going to come as a shock to somebody I know. Who? Never mind. Go on. It's my grandfather, Gallant Roderick. He controls all of the wealth in this family. You his front man? The eldest son of a son. And I live in this deplorable old shack waiting for grandfather to die. How long have you been waiting? Too long, Mr. Regan. But I'm past 40 now. I don't know how to do anything else, so I continue to wait. Along with my devoted brother, Kane, who has the same thing to look forward to. Yeah, I met him. If you think he's bad, you should meet my grandfather. He fitted us with these charming names, Kane and Abel. Well, what's all this got to do with me? Here. Look at these. Mm -hmm. Two little ships of silver. Perfect replicas of the Pinta and Nina, named after Columbus's fleet. 
can't buy stuff like that anymore. Not even on a time plan. Hardly. Twenty years' work on the part of an ancient silversmith in Madrid. And a prized possession of the Rodriguez family for seven generations. My great-great-great-grandmother wore them on her wedding dress. Where's the other one? You guessed it, Mr. Regan. The Santa Maria is missing. Janie wore it to Cyril's night before last. She lose it? Nothing so simple. It was stolen. How? Oh, she was with Kane. It was late when they got back. A masked man stopped their car on the turnoff. According to Janie, he was very polite, merely removed the Santa Maria, took nothing else. What about Kane? He was passed out. Janie was driving. Regan, the usual thing is for me to get a telephone call and have an opportunity to buy it back. Isn't that right? Well, a heist job usually works that way, yeah. Well, I haven't been contacted. I'm getting worried. What does your insurance company say? My grandfather owns the insurance company. I told no one but you. You don't want him to know about it, huh? Well, if I cut me off, he thinks I've been careless. Well, what do you advise me to do? Wait for that phone call and buy it back. I'm willing to buy it back, but the truth of the matter is, Grandfather will be in from the east this week. The first thing he does when he comes out here is ask to see those ships. Well, now, look, whoever pulled the job couldn't unload a thing like that without being caught. And if he melted it down, he'd be lucky to get 50 bucks. He's bad off as you are. You, you think you could hurry it up? Well, I know a couple of people. Then you'll try and contact them for me. Do what I can. Oh, thank you, Regan. Now we just sit back and... Wait for my ship to come in. <laughs> Bad joke, huh? I left him sitting there in that big room. He looked about as happy as a St. Bernard with a stomach ache. Well, he'd have probably felt worse if he'd have been outside on the porch. Janie was there with his brother, only they didn't hear me. Maybe they were just checking each other for broken ribs. I didn't bother to ask. Out on the highway, about a mile from the place, a 49 Nash picked me up. I turned off a couple of times on those little roads to make sure, but he stuck with me. Once he got real close, but he was wearing dark glasses and a straw hat and could have been Whistler's mother for all I knew. When I pulled into the lot by our building about 3 o'clock, he drifted along with the Broadway traffic. I took his license number and then I backed out and drove over to 3500 Hope Street. Okay, Freddy, well, let's see. I want to trace a license number. Actually? No. Okay, man. Try with the 11. Thanks. <sighs> Next. I want to know who's registered for these plates right here. 4E7542. This year? Yeah. I'm a private detective. I think it might be connected with a case. Yeah. Makes you think that. Well, the car followed me this afternoon. Yeah. Just tell me who owns it, will you? Then what? Well, then I'm going to write you a letter. I don't collect stamps. You worked here too long, lady. You telling me. Six years I collected fines A through G. I'm doing this. Think, huh? Who does the car belong to? Well, I got to look. Well, the cars in Los Angeles. Thousands of cars. Mad, mad months ago, he'd brains out if he knew just how many cars there really are around this town. Oh, Ruby, do I know don't you forget it. 47542 belongs to a guy named Richard I. Chambers. Address? Hotel de Soto. Thanks. Come back any time, doll. Glad to help you out. The name Richard I. Chambers meant about as much to me as a shipload of stale bread, but it didn't take 20-20 vision to see that there was a connection. And the whole thing was phony. It was like cutting your leg off to cure your bunions. Well, I went back to the office and checked with the lion. 
Okay, Regan, give it to me. It's a heist. One of the family heirlooms. It's our meat. When was it lifted? Two nights ago. Any contacts yet? No, none. That's why it's screwy. What do you mean, screwy? Well, it was a little silver ship called the Santa Maria. Now, they'd have to sell it back to Roderick or go and release it. Where does that leave us? With another bum case. Now, don't say anything like that. Well, your dope on Roderick was secondhand. Uh, tell me. His grandfather keeps the key. How do you know? Roderick said so. Mm. You shouldn't let out family secrets. You let me worry about that. Just find his little shit. Yeah, yeah. Guy called a half hour ago, left the number for you. Chambers? Yeah, who told you? Who did? Want you to phone him. Never mind, skip that. I know where to get him. Things began to move. That meant that all the cards were out and somebody was asking for bets. Over at the DeSoto Hotel, the clerk told me that 305 belonged to Chambers. He was a little guy, about a head shorter than Margaret O'Brien. He shoved three inches of nose out at me through a crack in the door. All I left went for you to phone. You, Chambers? I was having a beauty nap. Come back in an hour, yeah, will you? you need it. Look out! Hey, what is this? Oh, <laughs> tough guy, yeah? All right, you're tough. I think you're a bum. All right, simmer down, Junior. You'll never make Eagle Scout. Oh, you're so good. I gotta take that from you, huh? We're gonna talk. What makes you think so? Everybody's grown up now. Dickie Chambers talks when he feels like talking. All right, squirt, have it your way. Hey, that kind of stuff ain't going to get you nothing, Regan. Your weight's up, Dickie. you got a different job now. You said you're a bum. You tell me today. Ask your mother. What you want me to phone about? Wrong track, I'm sure. The two-buck window's downstairs. You're in this somewhere, and I want to know where. Through being tough, Regan? No. I'll let the boys in the personnel division handle you. What do you mean? That shiv on your dress is about an inch too long to be legal. <laughs> Call him. See where he gets you. Send you a nickel later. Okay, okay, I'll open. Said I don't like to get shoved around, that's all. Why didn't you figure that before you got tangled up? I'm your contact. All right, come on, let's put the show on the road. How much does it cost? Five grand and tens and twenties. Go on. Tonight, ten o'clock, you come with him. Where? Mile side of Santa Ana Airport. Little road turns left off 101. Drive two miles and pop. And then what? If you got the five grand, you don't try anything funny. He gets his little silver ship back. That it? That's it, people. Happy? See you later, Dickie. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm checking out tomorrow. Hey, look, Buster, you aren't any heist, man. They come smoother. What's your angle? Maybe I love jewelry. Do you care if maybe I love jewelry? I don't. A guy like you's got to love something. I called Roderick and told him what I'd found out. He sounded relieved, like he'd been underwater for a long time while just coming up for air. He said he'd get the cash, and I made arrangements to meet him at his place later on. Then I called the lion and told him. After that, I stopped off at a place on Wilshire, and I ran up a tab watching a skinny guy trying to make a piano sound like a symphony orchestra. Well, I had some steak and potatoes, and then I drove back out to Roderick's place. It was about 9 o'clock when I got there, and the same people were on the front porch doing the same thing. I remembered what the lion had said about those legs of hers. Having fun? Oh, Regan, huh? I thought I told you we didn't want any. That was eight hours ago. We still don't want any. I'm still here to see your brother. Small business? Something like that. I don't like you any more now than I did this morning, and I hated you then. Yeah, well, I'm going to cry about that when I get home. You're pretty smart, aren't you, Regan? Kane, please be careful. He's awful smart. Kane! Let me go! Yeah, let him go, lady. I'll give him back. Now, you're... I'll show you trying to spy on people, huh? I'm going to give you something, people. Ah. He's been drinking. Now look out. Oh, God, nothing. Go on. Oh. Well, I guess he deserved that. 
nasty when he works at it. How was the other time? There aren't any other times. Too bad. He'll be different when he wakes up. What do you mean about the liquor? Shepard. Getting the wrong idea about everything. What are you, kid? I was a hat check girl in a cheap nightclub. What's going on out here, Jamie? Oh, Regan, you're here. What was he acting up about tonight? Mr. Regan. Well, it doesn't make any difference. Take care of me, will you, Janie? Of course, Amy. That's a good deal, Janie. Well, you all ready, Regan? You got it. Set. I'll be home early, Janie. Come on, Regan, let's go. Well, we climbed in my car. We drove to the place Dickie Chambers told me about. It wasn't hard to find. It was a flat dirt road to the edge of the airport. We clicked off two miles on the speedometer, and we switched off our lights and parked. It was dark and quiet there, like the inside of an empty barrel. Roderick didn't have much to say. He just sat there chewing on a cigar and looking at nothing. He was real good at waiting. I looked at my watch about three minutes to ten, then I saw the headlights of another car coming down the road from a long way off. Roderick nodded his head, and I began to have a feeling like I was standing on top of the trap, and the warden had just smiled at the hangman. That must be ours, Regan. Do you think we should switch on our headlights? They may not see us. Unless they got wings, they got to pass us. They don't seem to be slowing down much, do they? Get out of the car. What? Get out of the car. Say, what is don't this? Don't talk. Move. Oh, all right, all right. What's got into you, Regan? Come on. Well, we can't just... Well, them think something's Look, wrong. Look, this is a packed deck. You're a ringer. I spun him around and he fell against the car. I pulled out my gun, but it didn't do any good. Whoever it was must have been in vaudeville. That was the fastest disappearing act since Houdini. You are listening to the story of Cain and Abel and the Santa Maria. Tonight's adventure with Jeff Regan, investigator. If you're a graduate nurse between the ages of 21 and 45, you may be eligible for a commission in the regular Officers Reserve Army Nurse Corps. If you are eligible and meet the high standards to qualify to serve with this fine organization, you may elect active or inactive status. In addition to this privilege, they also have the opportunity to take advantage of special training courses. So if you believe that you qualify for a commission in the Army Nurse Corps Reserve, apply now to the Adjutant General's Office, Washington, D.C., that's the Adjutant General, Washington, D.C. And now, back to the story of Cain and Abel and the Santa Maria and Jeff Regan, investigator. Well, there was enough loose lead around there to start a scrap drive. Whoever it was wanted to make real sure. My car was as full of holes as a canceled check. I found a forty-five slug in the seat packing, and I piled Roderick inside, and I drove over to a motor court on the highway. An old lady with a dust mop or a head of hair registered us and complained about all the drunks there were in this world. And then when I got rid of her, I went out to the phone booth and gave the lion a ring. I woke him up. It's 11 o'clock at night. What do you want? I'm in a jam. You're always in a jam. Tell me about it in the morning. Look, I'm, I'm giving it to you right now. You drunk. I've been with your client trying to get that ship back. How'd you do? I got lead instead of silver. What do you mean by that? Somebody doesn't like Roderick. Who is it? I don't know. We got there for the buyback and somebody opened up. They can't do that. Well, they did. Now. With me. Get a doctor and come on over. What? He got in the way when they started the 4th of July. Well, take him to a hospital. Now look, Fatso, he isn't hurt bad, but he needs help. You're always talking about money, and here's your chance to make some. Yeah? They'll give you a bonus if you keep him out of the papers. I'll be there in half an hour. Oh, 
Well, the lion showed up 20 minutes later. He had a long-faced guy with him who said he was a doctor. He looked more like an undertaker, but I didn't argue. I told the lion to keep Roderick there till I phoned back. Then I beat it over to the DeSoto Hotel. The door to 305 was open. Dickie Chambers had company, only he wasn't receiving. He was lying under a sheet. Fat guy in a wrinkled suit seemed to be running things. Come on in, brother. I didn't know Dickie had any friends. I guess he didn't. Who are you? The guy who met him once, who are you? Ed Granger, constable. This is my territory. What's your name? Regan, private investigator. International? Mm Mm-hmm. The lion's eye, huh? Know anything about this? I talked to him this afternoon. He gave up riding horses for other things. What kind of thing? He was contact man on a heist job. Yeah? Where do you come in? I was hired. That's why I met Dickie. Mind telling me by who? Mm-mm. The client, Ranger. This is a murder. Okay. Better go. When'd you find him? A little while ago. Clerk called, said he heard shooting. I came down with the boys and found Dickie doing the long sleep. Happened less than an hour ago. The tough little guy. Well, them 45s don't know nothing about that. 45? Big old chest and neck post ranch. <laughs> Corner's gonna lose two bits. He thinks it's a pity. Well, look, if it turns out big, try this one for a match here. Oh. You've been playing games tonight? Somebody gave it to me. Connected? Ballistics will tell you. Mm-hmm. Anything else? No. What'd you come back for? Talk to Dickie. No good, huh? No good. I should have asked him earlier. We uh, can get you through international. Yeah. Well, if you got anything, remember the name. Ed Granger. Speaking under that sheet, looking at Chambers when I left, there was kind of a sad smile on his face, like somebody put gasoline in his thermos bottle. I drifted across the street for a package of cigarettes, and then I came back and climbed in my car, thinking about the whole thing. I don't know how long I sat there in the car, but when I looked up, there was a shadow against the wall of the building. It was a good-looking shadow. Doing your homework? Yeah, I do for a diploma. Congratulations. What would you like for a gift? How about a little silver ship, huh? Sorry, too expensive. Try again. All right, give me a forty-five. What would you do with that? Give it to a cop named Granger. Then what? All right, go home and go to bed. You haven't asked me what I'm doing yet. I know. Payne? Him too? He isn't so bad when you get to know him. From where you're sitting, he must have wings. Well, if it isn't the gum heel, you ready for a laugh? What do we got, a comedy? Take a look, Katie. Okay, bright boy, where is he? You sober enough to shoot straight? I took the pledge. Before or after you came by us out on that road? After, baby. You don't smell like it. Where is he? Try my car trunk. I'm using him for ballast. What did you do with him, Regan? Kane, there's some people coming. Has he told you what he did was able? Not yet. You'll have to talk to him somewhere else. Right, Angel. Okay, Regan, come on, get out. Turn me up. Now turn around. Let me guess what's coming. It's a trip to the moon. Sit tight, baby. Here you go. I settled down to having a headache. Then the headache went someplace and I had nothing. Oh, it was a nice play. Everybody was a quarterback and everybody had the ball. I looked as good as a fat girl in a French bathing suit. It was some time later, maybe ten years, I had a mouthful of brandy and my throat was burning like an oil stagger. We were in Roderick's place. He was standing over me holding a bottle in one hand and a forty-five in the other. Coming around the Got to work fast. <laughs> Don't worry, he'll talk. <clears throat> Feeling better, baby? <clears throat> well, you're going to feel worse. Now, sit up, baby. Come on, it's time to talk. Now, wait a minute, Kane. Wait. Uh, Let me ask. We're all alone here. No one's going to disturb us. We'll find out anyhow. 
Why don't you tell us what you did with him? It's a short memory. I forget things. It's a shame to let Kane do this to you. I think you're pretty. Might not be able to stop him once he gets started. It's your idea, lady. I'm along for the view. Iron men went out with short skirts, but I guess you don't know it yet. You look tough, brother, but you bruise easy. You're already wearing striped pants. You mangled it when you tagged me tonight. Think so? Tell me how. All right. No one knew I was a detective but your brother. That meant you hired Dickie Chambers to find out. So you know it. So what? So you bumped Dickie when you thought it was finished. Well, that makes you know I'm not kidding. There's a constable named Granger. Kane? Relax, Angel. Relax. Don't let him scare you. He hasn't told anything to anybody. No? No. If you did, we would have found him in a hospital. I saw him go down. Are you sure? Of course I am. Now all we got to do is find him. So let's get started. <laughs> Well, you talk now, huh? Now? It's gonna get worse, baby. You might have to write it later. You got hold of a bad label. Stop it, now stop it. This isn't getting us anything. Yeah, but I'm having fun. No, kill him. Let go of my arm. Now we need him. Got to find him in the car with Abel. It's ruined if you kill him. I said let go. Now, where were we, baby? I said to stop it. Huh? Stand away from him. Are you crazy or something? It would have worked fine if you could think. But you can't think. You're no good to me anymore. Janie. Janie! Ah! 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 He shook all over a couple of times like he was saying no in a big way. And then he finally relaxed. She knelt down and took something out of his pocket. I tried to lift one of my arms, but I got about as far as I would trying to hook a whale with a salad fork. I must have looked real bad, because all of a sudden her eyes kind of lit up and she came over. Taking a lot of punishment, mister. Not as much as you're going to take. A matter of opinion. By the way, you didn't happen to be carrying that five grand. You're looking for a stake? Yeah. I'm going out prospecting. Trip around the world? Far enough to make some new connections. That's all a girl needs. Here. Here's the little ship. You didn't do it for nothing. Run out of bullets? No. If they ever get me, I'll say justifiable homicide. He's trying to kill you. You're my witness. Oh, you're my witness. Take care of yourself. Goodbye. care of yourself. Goodbye. That's all she said, and that was the last I ever saw of her. Well, it seems that Janie and Kane had figured to tag both of us out on that road, and it'd all be blamed on a phony heist gang. There was a lot of insurance they could have turned into ready cash, but I had a feeling that when I made Abel get out of that car that night, it'd ruin things for him. Janie and Kane thought that they could still do it if they could find him and get it together again. That's why he went to work on me. Kane already killed Dickie Chambers because he thought there might have been a double cross, and I was kind of crazy the time he got around to me. Well, anyway, about three months later, a detective sergeant down in Miami Beach spotted Janie one night working the hat stand in a nightclub. Everybody wondered how he could recognize her. She dyed her hair, and that really changed her appearance. But it figured. You see, the police folder had a picture of her in a bathing suit, and she couldn't change those legs.
Webb is featured as Jeff Regan with Wilms Herbert as Anthony J. Lyons. It's CBS at 9.30 next week for more hard-boiled action and mystery with Jeff Regan, Investigator, written by E. Jack Newman, produced by Sterling Tracy. The role of Janie Broderick was played by Lorene Tuttle. Marvin Miller was Abel and Wally Mayer was Kate. Dickie Chambers was Sidney Miller and Paul Freeze played Ed Granger. Are you a graduate registered nurse? Do you know someone who is? Then please listen carefully to this important message from the Adjutant General's Office, Washington, D.C. 29,000 nurses are needed to join the new Army Nurse Corps Reserve. For the first time in history, qualified nurses are given the opportunity of receiving a commission in the regular Army Reserve. All nurses who receive reserve commissions will benefit from the opportunity for specialized training offered to them by the Army. Don't wait. If you're a registered graduate nurse between the ages of 21 and 45, drop a card for complete information to the Adjutant General, Washington, D.C. Original music for this program is by Dick Aran. Jeff Regan, Investigator, is heard every Saturday at 9.30 over CBS. Bob Stevenson speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. The Equitable Life Assurance Society presents This is Your FBI. This is Your FBI, an official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, presented as a public service by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. We exceedingly regret that due to unforeseen circumstances, Mr. Thomas I. Parkinson, president of the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States, will not be able to address you on the subject of inflation on tonight's program has been announced. Mr. Parkinson will, however... Speak on this subject over this same network at a later date. If you've been listening regularly to these FBI programs, such as tonight's case, which we'll open in just a moment, you have heard the word cooperation used a great many times. And that's because it's a key word in the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. Eighty-six years ago, a group of self-reliant men and women cooperated to found the Equitable Society to assure each member more security than any individual effort could provide. And now, the sound common sense of such an enterprise is revealed once more in the yearly report of the Equitable Society to its members. Just published, this report is so interesting that later on I want to tell you about this book. A book which proves once again that by serving its members, the Equitable Society serves America. Tonight's FBI file, The Wasteland Hideout.
more numerous than the so-called psychopathic killers and dangerous to more people are killers of the type dealt with in tonight's case from the files of your FBI. Professional criminals to whom murder is merely another tool of their trade, who kill without cause, real or imagined, solely as a means to an end. They are indeed the dealers of sudden death. In a small cabin somewhere deep inside the blackness of the Bitterroot timber country, separating Idaho and Montana, a man sits before a rough table in the yellow glow of a lantern, clenching his left arm from which blood oozes. Eddie. Eddie. Yes? Hurry up with that pan of water, will you? Yeah, right with you. I wish you'd let me heat this stuff first, Rocky. I don't want no fires. Well, it's night outside. Who's going to see? Look. You can see smoke against the sky at night. I don't want no forest ranger getting hep that anyone's here. Oh. Now clean off his arm and get some bandage on it. Uh, are you sure the slug ain't still in there? I told you it went clean through. Oh. Well, just hold still then. Uh, how long you had this hideout? I picked it up five years ago. It sure is buried away. That's why I nailed it. Any hunting around here? Sure. How about fishing? Plenty. Hey, this is going to be a regular vacation, huh? Not exactly. We just go under here until the heat cools off. <gasps> Easy, will you? Oh, sorry. Uh, Eddie. Yeah? There's a job you're going to have to do. Uh, what's that? you got to rustle us some grub. You mean go hunting? Nah, stupid. you got to get some store grub. Hey, but you said there was plenty of hunting. There's plenty of guys hunting for us. We ain't running loose in these woods. Oh. Uh, where's the store? There's a joint about ten miles from here. Uh, you got any dough? You don't use dough. You heist it. Oh. If I could make it, I'd go myself. But I can't, so I gotta send you. And look, just for once, do a job right, will you? Oh, now, Rocky, you know I... I know if it hadn't been for you, I wouldn't have this bum wing. Now, listen close. I'm gonna tell you how to get there, and you're gonna get it right if I have to spell every word. Pop Culwell's combination filling station and grocery store on the highway through the Bitterroot country is not too heavily patronized, but enough to keep him going. And the radio on the counter is enough to keep him company. Pop is sitting on a box in his store reading a paper and listening to a musical program out of Spokane. Then suddenly... We interrupt this program of music, ladies and gentlemen, to bring you a special police bulletin. Well, what's All that? motorists and persons living on highways in the area comprising southeast Washington, northern Idaho, and southwest Montana are warned to be on the alert for two men who escaped from the federal penitentiary this afternoon after killing a guard. Well, what do if you, you should see them, go to the nearest phone and call the police or the FBI. Under no circumstances, engage them in conversation. They will kill without provocation. Here are their descriptions. Edward Corning, age 35. Five feet Turn it off, mister. Huh? Turn it off. Weighs 100. Where'd you come from? I just walked in. You're... You're one of them fellas That's who just... That's right. What you want here? Groceries, a big stack of them. And I need a car, too. 
Well, you ain't getting either one. Oh, no, you don't. Hey, Mr. Where's Pop? Maybe I can take care of what you want. I gotta talk to Pop. I gotta get some gas on the cuff. Where is he? Don't come back here. Oh, it's okay. I always... Oh, gee. I told you not to come back here. What happened to him? He had an accident. Why, his head's bleeding. Leave him alone. You did this to him. Dick, are you going to take... Don't come in here, Midge. What's wrong, Dick? Stay back. Don't come in. Come on, Midge. Let's, let's get back in the car. Wait a minute. You're going to stay here and give me a hand. Now, look, the Mr. The son's given the orders. Oh. You're going to help me load some groceries. Then we'll all get in the car. How are you feeling now, Mr. Caldwell? Uh, coming round all right, I reckon. Who are you fellas? My name's Perry. This is Mr. Norton. We're special agents of the FBI. How do you do, sir? How do you do? Well, now, that beats all. How would you know I was in trouble? We didn't, Mr. Caldwell. Hmm? We're on the trail of two men who escaped from the federal penitentiary. Yeah, I know. I heard it on the radio. It was one of them that walloped me. Yes, we had an idea it was something like that. When did it happen? Well, it was right after 8 o'clock. That was only 30 minutes ago, Jim. Yeah. We can't be very far behind them now, especially since they're on foot. On foot? We found the car they stole down the road, abandoned, burned out bearing. What'd they come here for, Mr. Caldwell? Well, it's only the one came in. He wanted some groceries. Groceries? Yeah. Oh, then they must have a hideout somewhere up. Wait a minute. What is it, Jim? It's a girl's compact here on the floor. Well, no. Where'd that come from? The initials are M-E-L. You know who that might be, sir? M-E-L. Oh, sure. That can't be nobody else but... Young Midge Ellen Lancaster lives back in Summit. I see. And if she was here, then Dick Barstow, who's sweet on her, was here with her for sure. Does he have a car? Yeah, he practically lives in one. And that accounts for the fresh car tracks outside by the gas pumps, Jim. Mm, probably means more than that, too. Uh, do the parents of these youngsters have phones, Mr. Caldwell? Yes, they do. All right, we'll call them, George. Right. And if neither of those kids is at home, the bandits have them in their car, too. No telling where they are by now. Let's get on that phone, quick. I got slower going back. We don't want to miss that turn-off trail into the woods again, you hear? I hear you. If we'd only started for home before dark like I promised Mother, this wouldn't have happened to us. I know. It's, it's all my fault. Oh, I didn't mean it that way. Yeah, but it's true. Hey, look, pay attention to your driving, will you? Dick, Mother and Daddy will be out of their minds. Oh, don't worry about them. They're okay. 
It's us I'm thinking about. Especially you. Oh, Dick. What'll we do? I know what we'll do. Hey, what are you stopping for? Look, mister, I don't know what you're planning to do with us. But whatever it is, I'm not letting my girl in for it. You better start the car going again. I'm not driving another foot. I'm not taking... Hey, hey, hey. Oh. Shut up, both of you. Well, let's move. And like I said, go slow so we don't miss the turn-off trail to the woods again. Yes, sir. And try not to worry. I'm confident everything will turn out all right. Yes, we'll keep in touch with you. Goodbye, sir. Well, I guess that cinches it, Jim. Both kids are missing. Mm. While you're at the phone, George, you better get out an alarm on the car and the boy and girl. Oh, sure. Hello. Hello, operator. Oh, get me the FBI office in Spokane right away, please. Yeah, that's right. I'll hold on. Say, George. Yeah? Those car tracks outside turn around going out of the drive and head east. Now, if they kept driving steadily after leaving here, they couldn't have made more than 50 or 60 miles. What are you thinking? Let's get the office to contact police at all points 100 miles east of here. That'll block all roads ahead of them. Right. Then if we don't get a report back here in a reasonable length of time, we'll know that they've holed up somewhere in this area. Well, let's hope they keep driving through. Well, if they take to the tall timber, that'll be rugged hunting. Yeah, I, wait. I think I've got the office. Hello? Hello? This is George Norton. Get out an alarm right away on this car. Black Ford Sedan. Okay, stop here. Get out, both of you. Come on, Midge. We have to do what he says. Dick, I, I'm scared. Just, just hold my hand. Walk ahead of me. Head for the cabin. Come on, get moving. Dick, what are we going to do? We'll get out of this some way. Don't worry. I hope you're right. Yeah, this is it. All right, inside, you kids. Eddie, what is this? Oh, hi, Rocky. <laughs> hey, did you think I was never coming back? Who are these kids? They brung me here. What? I used their car. Oh, you stupid. I had to, Rocky. Why? Well, they come in the store right after I slugged them. Slugged who? The grocery guy. Oh. Well, you sent me for groceries, didn't you? Look, mister. Shut up. I won't shut up. We want to go home. Eddie... This puts us in a real jam. Well, I couldn't help it, Rocky. Anybody see you take those kids? Anybody tell you? No. Are you sure? There wasn't anybody in the joint but the grocery guy. Look, what else could I do? You could drop dead. And sister, cut out the crying. Not till you let us out of here. That ain't gonna happen, sweetheart. What do you mean by that? You're staying here, Junior. No. No. Shut up. Why, you dirty... Easy, Junior. Oh, no, I'm gonna... Hey... Hey, let's eat something, Rocky. I'm hungry.
a moment, we'll reopen tonight's FBI file. Meanwhile, let's open another important record. This week at the Equitable Society, the advertising manager handed me an attractive little book. Here he said, you might like to look this over. It's our annual report for 1945. Well, I expected to see the usual columns of dry figures. But this Equitable Society report was something else again. It was a 24-page book, bright with color, sparkling with interesting facts. Its title is Your Policy. And as, as I read it, I thought, here's one of the most forceful tributes to cooperation I've ever seen. It just shows what people can accomplish when they honestly and willingly work together for protection and security. Of course, this book, Your Policy, will be mailed automatically to members of the Equitable Society. But let me give all of you listening tonight some of its highlights. This book explains how the Equitable Society's investments aid government, industry, agriculture, homeowners. In short, how the society, by serving its members, serves America. The book tells about the $238 million that the Equitable Society paid out in 1945, paid to widows and children, paid on endowments paid in annuities, paid in dividends to millions of members. It tells what every war veteran should do to keep his National Service life insurance in force. And it tells you how your Equitable Society representative is trained to serve you in many, many ways. This isn't all it tells, but it's enough to prove to anyone that this week and every week for more than 86 years, the Equitable Life Assurance Society has been building security for you, your home, and your country. And now back to the FBI file, The Wasteland Hideout. When fugitive criminals keep on the move, they're in the open, and their capture is largely just a matter of keeping on their trail until they can be overtaken. But when they go underground, when they hole up in some unknown hideout, the job of capture is not so simple. And if, as in tonight's case, the unknown hideout be somewhere inside several million acres of mountains and timber, the job may present a staggering handicap. Some two hours have now passed since the man called Rocky struck down the boy, Dick Barstow, in the hideout deep inside the Bitterroot Timber Country. Back at Pop Caldwell's filling station and grocery store on the highway, actually only ten miles as the crow flies from the hideout, Special Agents Perry and Norton of the FBI are studying a map and hoping the phone will ring. They couldn't possibly have had more than a 50 or 60 mile start from here when you put out the alarm, George. Yeah, I know. We've got police and deputies covering all roads east of here. I don't see how they could have gotten through. Still, the phone doesn't ring with any report. Mm. Then that's got to mean only one thing. They've stopped traveling. Here's some hot coffee for you, boys. Oh, thank oh, you, Mr. Caldwell. Take milk and sugar in it? No, not for me. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Say, Jim, hmm? if they've taken to the tall timber, what do we do now? Well, I'm afraid there's not a great deal we can do tonight. 
We stand a much better chance in daylight of finding some trace of where they might have turned off. And let's be up at the crack of dawn and get at it. Right. You know something, boys? What's that? It'd be mighty funny if them convicts wasn't much more than spitting distance from here. Lie still, Dick. Don't try to move. Mitch, what are you doing here? I mean that... Oh. Please, Dick, uh, just lie still. Where are we? What happened? Don't you remember? Remember? Remember what? Never mind. Don't try to think. I'm just so happy that you're alive. I, I thought that horrible man had killed you. Killed me? What are you talking... Hey, wait a minute. I remember now. He slapped me and... And you started to fight him. And he slugged me? Yes. How long have I been out? All night. What? Look outside. It's daylight. Are we, are we still in the cabin? Yes. Where are those men? They went outside a few minutes ago. Hey, then... Then maybe we can get out of here. No, please. They're just down by the car. I can see them through the window. Oh. Dick? Yeah? I don't think we're ever going to get out. What do you mean? I heard them talk. They're escaped convicts. They killed a guard and then got away. They're very desperate men. Pop probably got killed, too. Yes. Dick? Yeah? If that's how it's going to be, they may kill us, too. And, well, there's something I want you to know. Yeah? Remember the night at, at the school dance? You, you asked me something? Yeah. About, about us getting married someday? Uh-huh. I didn't know the answer then. But I do now. Thanks, Midge. <laughs> oh, Dick. <laughs> don't, Midge. Don't cry, please. If we're going to have to die, then... Hey, wait a minute. Maybe we aren't going to have to die. What? L let me get up. What are you going to do? I've got an idea. If those men only stay out of here long enough, it might work. Well, George, we've cruised up and down this road for 20 miles and still no sign of where any car turned off up in the woods. Oh, they must have covered up any signs like that. I'm afraid so. Hey, I've got an idea. Yeah? If they've got a hideout in the timber, it must be an old trapper cabin or a hut in an abandoned logging camp. <laughs> so we start looking for all the cabins scattered through several million acres of tall timber. No, no, we can make the job easier than that. How? There's a forest ranger lookout up in there, and he's probably got every cabin spotted on a map. Say, you're right. Let's go see him right now. 
You FBI fellas have picked out a pretty good job for yourselves, I'd say. How do you mean? Reducing the area where the killers are likely to be hiding, even to that smallest circle. Yeah? I'd say there are probably 30 or 40 cabins sprinkled around in that area. Well, uh, I I realize it's a lot of legwork, but it's got to be done. And one of them might be the one we want. Okay. Here's your map with the cabin spotted on it. Good. And I'll get a guide for you, and that'll save time. And Look. Where? On that ridge, right over there to the east. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's smoke from a cabin. I saw it just before you fellas drove up. Yeah, but look at it now. What about it, George? Somebody's doing something with that smoke. What? Yeah. Looks like somebody was trying to signal with it. Yeah. Say, where is that on the map? I can locate it in a second on the fire finder here. Good. Jim, if that smoke is coming from a cabin in the circle we laid out, it'll be the first one we go to. And in a big hurry, too. Well, that's that. Why'd you drive the car way under them trees, Rocky? So nobody could spot it. Nobody could see it where it was. From the air they could, that car's red hot. They'll use planes or anything to find it. Oh. Hey, Rock. Yeah? Did you start a fire this morning? What are you talking about? Look. There's smoke coming out of the chimney in the cabin. What? Hey, see it? Come on. Hey, what's the matter? The kid started that. Oh, I thought... Shut up and hurry. Put that fire out, kid. It's too late now, mister. Give me that bucket of water, Eddie. Right. Here you are. There. What'd you set a fire for, kid? I know what he set it for. How long you been at it, kid? Long enough, I hope. Well, we're not going to stick around to find out. Are we leaving, Rocky? Yeah, stupid. Uh, what are we going to do with them? What you should have done at the old man's place when they came in, if you had any brains. Dick! Wait a minute, mister. You got no time to argue now, Junior. Look, kill me or do anything you want to, but let her go, please. Not a chance. Drop that gun, you. Rocky, look out. I'm not dropping any gun. Oh. Rocky! All right, keep this <laughs> other man covered, George. I'm sorry, young lady, that you had to see that. (laughs) Thank you, mister. We're special agents of the FBI. And I imagine uh, they were your smoke signals, huh, son? Yes, sir. Good work. And now we're going to take you both home to your folks. Come on. Rocky and his accomplice in crime were tried for the murder of the prison guard. They were both convicted for this crime and sentenced to death by hanging. And so ended the career of two more dealers of sudden death. There are, however, many more of their kind still at large. Unfortunately, neither your local law enforcement officers nor your FBI know just who and where they all are, nor when any will strike. But of this, you and they may rest assured. When one does strike, he'll be pursued day and night, 24 hours around the clock. And let him hide out wherever he chooses. He will be found.
In next week's exciting program, which we'll tell you about in just a moment, this is your FBI, will present new evidence to prove how well the FBI guards national security. And in the booklet called Your Policy, the same one I was talking to you about a few minutes ago, the Equitable Society presents new evidence to prove how carefully and intelligently the society protects your financial security through life insurance. If you're not already a member of the Equitable Life Assurance Society, ask the Equitable Society representative in your community for a free copy of this booklet. It's so interesting, so easy to read. Get a copy from your Equitable Society representative, a neighbor whom you ought to know anyway, for like your FBI, he is constantly working for the protection of you, your home, and your country. Next week, we will bring you another colorful story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, The Bogus War Brides. We exceedingly regret that due to unforeseen circumstances... Mr. Thomas I. Parkinson, president of the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States, was not able to address you on the subject of inflation on tonight's program as had been announced. Mr. Parkinson will, however, speak on this subject over this same network at a later date. The incidents used in tonight's Equitable Life Assurance Society's broadcast are adapted from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious, and any similarity thereof to the names of persons living or dead is accidental. Tonight, the music was under the direction of Frederick Steiner, the author was Frank Ferries, and your narrator was Dean Carlton. This is your FBI is a Jerry Devine production. Now, this is Carl Frank speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community, and inviting you to tune in again next week at this same time when the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States will bring you another colorful story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, The Bogus War Bride. On this is your FBI. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.